I had a bunch of friends. I, I had family members that struggled, that didn't, you know, they weren't, they weren't showcased. They weren't recognized. But I was always confused because I was like, you have all of these other talents. You know, you, you're impressive in your own way. But the problem is that school wasn't recognizing those things, right? Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast. My name is Tim Cavey. I'm an eighth grade teacher, assistant principal, and I'm honored to be your host. My mission is to bring you conversations that will warm your heart, spark your thinking, and ignite your professional practice. It is finally the summer of 2021, which has given me a chance to breathe, collect my thoughts, and refocus my energies on my work here at Teachers on Fire, such a source of personal passion for me. One of the things I am looking forward to doing this month is publishing three one-on-one interviews that were recorded last fall. My weekly Saturday morning roundtable conversations on YouTube took up most of my limited content creation time this year, and as a result, my intention to catch up and publish these older conversations unfortunately never quite came to fruition. So, without further ado, and with a very humble apology to my three guests, here is the first of three valuable one-on-one conversations. Today, I'm speaking with Charles Williams. Charles has served in urban education for 15 years as a teacher, assistant principal, and principal while working with students in PK to 12. He has developed innovative programs and structures that have resulted in successful schools in both Indiana and Illinois. Charles is also the founder of CW Consulting, the host of the Counter Narrative podcast, and the host of Real Educators Talk, a monthly discussion designed to engage educators in authentic conversations around education. Follow Charles on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, his website, and on YouTube at CW Consulting. And on Twitter, I should say that's underscore CW Consulting, but pretty consistent branding. So you will find him there when you search for CW Consulting. You'll see him turn up at all of these places. Charles, thank you so much for coming on the show today on what I know is a busy day for you. Are you ready to light it up? I am more than ready to light it up, Tim. Thank you for having me. This is one of those really cool moments for me when I have a guest on that whose voice I've heard in my ears many times. So I love the smooth sounds of your podcast, the Counter Narrative Podcast, and I look forward to hearing more of the backstory there. But let's start by talking a little bit more about your current context in education. Where are you situated and what does that look like for you on a daily basis? Sure. So I am a principal um, in the far west side of Chicago. It's located in the Austin neighborhood of a contract school called Plato Learning Academy. We serve students in grades K through eight. Um, and, and I've been at this building for about four years now. You know, I know that you mentioned earlier that I've been in education about 15 years, but it's been a, a pleasure being in this building and being a part of the progress. Um, you know, over the last few years, you know, when I first came in, it was slated for closure. And so we worked really, really hard to bring it around. And we have seen some tremendous success. So I'm really excited to see where we're going to go from here. It is story time, Charles. I love to put this near the beginning of our conversation. Would you share with us about a low moment or an experience of adversity that you face somewhere in your teaching or education career? And importantly, describe how you overcame it. 
Absolutely. You know, I, I think as educators, we all have these, right? And so I spent a lot of time thinking about this question, like which one would be a, a good example. So um, I, I thought back to a situation uh, fairly early in my teaching career. Um, so my wife and I, we actually taught in the same department. That That's how we met. That was in the language development program in Hammond. Um, so years ago, she was actually transferring um, to where she's at now. Um, and I was actually in that role before her. Um, so, you know, as I was leaving, I kind of sent out this blast to the school. Hey, you know, this wonderful woman's coming in. You know, we weren't married at the time, but, you know, I was like, there's, there's this wonderful woman's coming in, you know, be amazing to her, you know, treat her like you did me, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and I just thought I, I was doing her a favor. You know, I had built these relationships with the people in the school. And my administrator brought me in and essentially reminded me that I needed to stay in my lane. It was not my position to do that. It would have been hers or the administrator at the school. Um, but it was not my job, you know, to do that. And it, I love the fact that when she shared, you know, it, it could have been, you know, a reprimand. It could have been, you know, a, a punitive measure, but, but it wasn't. It was just a reminder because she was always trying to make sure that she was coaching me you know, for something bigger, you know, and, and I'll be honest, when I sat there and I was getting that, you know, that feedback, I, I was low, right? I, I was sitting there and just like, man, this, this is horrible. I, I've never been in these positions. I prided myself on always being the best, but it was a good point because even now, right, especially as an administrator, especially with years of experience, sometimes I got to make sure that I check that confidence, Right. Like I'll be in places and that and I just feel it surging up and it's coming forward. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, remember your place. Like, this is not the time nor the place. And so while I, I was bothered in that moment, it, it was a lesson that has stuck with me to say, hey, yes, you might be an administrator. Yes, you might have all these years of experience. You know, yes, you might be in this position of power, but you still have to remember to stay in your lane and, and respect the authority of others. I just want to be 100% clear. And by the way, I love the conclusions and the insights that you came to that you draw from that story. But I just want to be clear on where you went wrong. I mean, do you feel that you did wrong originally? Was it I understand that the person above you, perhaps in a, a sort of technical way should be the one introducing them. But do you feel that you overstepped there? You know, to be honest, no, I, I don't think I overstepped, but I think what she saw was, let me capitalize on this now, you know, before you do something where you do overstep, let me talk about making sure you stay in your lanes now. Mm, um, I you know, I, I don't think it was wrong what I did, but I think it was more of a preventative down the road sort of thing. I see. Um, which, yeah, in hindsight, there were those moments. I'm like, I'm really glad we had that conversation because <laughs> I'm not sure you and I would be speaking right now. Charles, you are doing awesome work on the Counter Narrative Podcast. You have a really gracious way with guests, and the episodes I've listened to always bring helpful insights. And I must say, you have a way, a knack of delivering some really challenging truths in such a, a generous, kind way. Talk to us about your mission and your purpose for the pod. Why do you create it? Because I know it's it's some work for sure. And who should tune in? Yeah, so... um. I am part of a group called GEM. It's Great Expectations Mentoring. Uh, it is an initiative within Chicago uh, to really develop uh, male minority leaders. And so I'm very excited to be a part of this. Um, and, you know, we mentor one another. We mentor up and coming leaders. 
And, and through that work, I got to meet um, and do some work and, and actually read the workings of uh, a Dr. Tyrone Howard. So he's a professor out of UCLA, does a ton of work around equity. Well, he released a paper uh, several years ago called The Counter Narrative, and he was exploring a, a group of young black males um, who were actually doing very, very well in school. And so what he was trying to do was to figure out what were the elements that were driving them towards success and how can we capitalize on that story? And I, I really liked it, but there were some things about it. I said, well, you know what? There, there, are, there are these elements, yes, that exist within them, but there, these elements lack in a lot of other students, and yet they're being successful as well. Plus, you know, these marginalized populations, even though we definitely need to talk about our young black males, there are plenty of other marginalized populations. And I really got sick and tired of as I sat in meetings, we kept talking about what was wrong with these groups. Why are they struggling? Why are they lacking? But very rarely did I ever hear anybody say, hey, here's a success story. And I knew they existed because I had those same success stories in my school. You know, the one that I always share out is that we had students who competed in a Boeing competition. The airline hosted a rocket building competition citywide. And I sent my students. And the first year I sent them, they were so angry with me because they thought I was setting them up for failure. They were like, why would you do this to us? You know, we're going to go up against these massive powerhouses of schools that have all these resources. And I'm like, nope, you're going, you know, I, I, I have faith in you. So they went and they came back super excited. They, they came back in third place. So the next year we were invited back. Same thing. I, I sent them out. You know, this time they kind of went out with a little more confidence and a group of my fifth grade girls won. They, they beat out every other student, over 100 students from across the city. And again, it's like those stories aren't told, right? And, unless, a, unless a school wins like a, a basketball championship, right, or a football championship, like those are the only success stories I ever hear about these marginalized populations. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So I decided, you know, let me create this podcast and I know that if I have these stories, I know other people have these stories. So let's start changing the way we talk and think about education, right? And just really shining a positive light on it and just sharing all of these, I guess, you know, these these gems, right? These stories that exist out there. Hmm. Well, you are doing just that, Charles. So keep up the great work there. As you look across your PLN and your own practice, what else is setting you on fire about education today? And I know this is kind of a strange question to ask right now when we're all just so intent on surviving COVID, but uh, <laughs> is there another issue that really has your attention? You know, I, I, it's, a, it's a big answer, right? And I don't want to just say the one word and leave it at that. But the Every, all this work, all this talk around equity is, is really something that's driving me. Um, you know, but I, I think what it was, was that I was really into this work way before it was just some, you know, kind of buzzword or this cool philosophy, you know, to throw out as you're talking to fellow educators. Um, and and what, what it was and what actually drove me to do the work that I do in education was that I was a scholar, right? I mean, I blew school out of the water when I was there. It was easy for me. But what I realized was that's because school was built for people like me. I had a bunch of friends. I, I had family members that struggled, that didn't, you know, they weren't, they weren't showcased, they weren't recognized. But 
I was always confused because I was like, you have all of these other talents. You know, you, you're impressive in your own way. But the problem is that school wasn't recognizing those things, right? Those who worked with their hands, those who had, you know, creative talents. It's like, I, I can't do any of those things. I, I laugh. Like, I, I, I know how to put gas in my car. I know how to check the tires, but don't ask me to do anything beyond that, right? But those are skills that are that are important, that are needed, but because it's not academic, right? Schools oftentimes didn't look at that. And so that is driven what I want to always try to figure out is what are those talents, right? What are those skill sets that my students have and, and to try to develop opportunities for them? You know, so that way, as they go through school, I don't care if you are, you know, an academic, I don't care if you're an artist, I don't care, you know, if you are a craftsman, you are going to go through my school feeling those same levels of successes, you know, regardless of what your skill set is. And so when I talk about equity, you know, I know there's a definite conversations about race. And again, those conversations need to be had, but it is so much bigger than that. And so that is that is what's putting me on fire right now. There are so many different forms of equity. Great point. And uh, Charles, your car skills approximate my own. So great to hear about that. <laughs> Charles, how are you looking to grow professionally and improve your practice right now? Can you share about a specific professional goal that you've got for this school year? Yeah. So, you know, something I've stumbled across are these micro credentials. Um, and I don't know if it's just a fad or a fling. Uh, you know, I have no idea what they're going to become. Uh, you know, I, I've heard about like people earning badges and, you know, it's it's a thing right now. But what I really like about it is that it, it you're able to really hone in on some specific skills without, you know, paying a ton of money or spending another four years in school to get another degree. Um, and while I would love to to, you know, go after my Ph.D., these are really um, incentivizing right now. Right. Because I, I can do them in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I can do them while I'm working. I don't have to really stop working to, to do these. Um, and so I've completed a few of them, right, already through uh, through Harvard um, on leading change, leading schools and leading people. And, and the really other nice side of this is when you tell people, yeah, I've got these credentials from Harvard, it changes things, right? Like they look at you differently. So whether it's a, 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 a potential client or a potential employer, you know, when you have these credentials that you're able to get from these really high level, you know, schools or, or uh, organizations, you know, it helps you to market yourself a little more. And so that is what I'm in the process of doing, you know, just growing my skill set, growing my marketability through these, uh, through these micro credentials. Get them on the LinkedIn profile, right? And can you compile those credentials towards a degree eventually, or are they all completely standalone? You know, I, I think different organizations have different ways of doing that. So I, I've been looking for some more and some of them do, you know, you could do these micro credentials and I guess once you amass enough, they would equate a degree. Um, you know, others, obviously they're just standalone programs. So yeah, I, I was looking at some through Loyola, you know, because obviously Loyola here in Chicago, you know, has, uh, has its own namesake. So I was looking at some of those and they seem to have a program very similar to, to that where you could you know, kind of add these things all up and hey, now I have an additional degree. Well, I so appreciate the model of lifelong learning and professional growth that you are setting for your own staff. It's so nice to be able to drop that 
you know, in my course or in my class the other day, right? And and just to remind people that, hey, you're still on a learning journey as well. Outside of education, Charles, what's another area of learning for you? What is it that ignites your passions outside of the school and brings you alive as a human being? <laughs> you know, I, I love to cook. I, I, I love to cook and, and I would like to think that I'm a pretty decent cook. I mean, my wife and my children, they, they say so. And so I don't care, even if it's a long day of work, you know, I, I've been out of the house for 12 hours, you know, I'll, I'll come home, I'll change and, and I jump into the kitchen. Um, you know, I, I turn on some music, you know, I, I pour some wine and, and I just go to work. Um, and it's great because my, my wife and I, we have this deal that she hates to cook, but she loves to clean. So it, it's a really great partnership there because I'll, I'll, I'll throw down in the kitchen and, you know, and then she takes care of the dishes afterwards. Um, but, you know, it, it's I have a few recipes, I guess, uh, th- that are my go to's like um, my my daughter loves my ribs. In fact, she just turned 18 um, and that was what she asked. She didn't want to go out to a restaurant. She didn't want to go, you know, here or there. She said, Dad, can you please make your ribs and sweet potatoes? And I was like, yeah, wow. ab- absolutely. So. <laughs> that is a good compliment coming from the daughter when uh, when she prefers your stuff over anything on the market. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's exciting. I'm like, hey, I guess I, I have a, a skill set here. If you know, if education ever falls through, maybe I'll, I'll hop into a kitchen somewhere. Charles, I am heading into administration for the first time this fall as an assistant principal. Could you share with me, as a mentee, can you share with me about a personal habit or a productivity hack that contributes to your success and helps you get it all done? Yeah. So first of all, congratulations uh, on the new role. Thank you. Um. You know, I, I definitely recommend, and, and I say this is just sleep, right? And, and there are so many things like learning when to say no, right? You know, learning that you can't please everybody, but sleep is critical. Um, and, and so my 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 wife messes with me because I, I go to sleep early, but I know that I am super productive in the morning, and and so I I schedule, and I know this may sound crazy, but I, I try to schedule sleep. Like I I need to be in bed, you know, by nine o'clock. I need to be asleep. Because I'm a guy who I'm up by four or five in the morning because I know I can wake up and, you know, if I, I get in a workout, I, I get in my plan, I, I, I operate better. So regardless of what your day looks like, you know, make sure that you're getting that sleep because if you walk into school, especially as an administrator and you are not energized and ready to go, everybody's going to feel that. You know, the second day of PD this week, I was in that place, you know, I, 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 Super long day Monday, not a lot of sleep Monday night. I walked in Tuesday just exhausted and the energy was there. People were like, are you okay? You look tired. And, and that is never a good thing because if, if I'm dragging, it, it changes the energy of the building. So definitely make sure that you're getting some sleep so that way you are ready to rock and roll every morning. So it sounds like if you do a nine to four or 10 to five sleep window, you're good to go. If you've got seven hours, is that what you find? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I, I am good to go. And I think it is, you know, there's also that morning routine. You know, I, I have a routine in the morning, um, you know, before I ever step foot into my building. And then even then when I get into the building, it allows me to get there before anybody else. Right. So then I could have my own little routine in the building. So that way, by the time people walk in, you know, I've, I've looked through emails, I've looked, you know, listened to voicemails that I might have missed. So now my attention is on you. You know, I'm not running around the building like crazy as everybody's coming in. It's like, I'm here for you now. Come on, welcome in. What can I do for you? Awesome. 
Charles, it is time for your quick picks, and here we want to know the education voices and resources that are sparking your thinking and igniting your practice today. Let's start at a place where I know you operate, and that is Twitter. Tell us about someone we should follow there and share why they've been inspiring you lately. Yeah, so, you know, this was a tough one because I I have so many colleagues, so many connections here. But the one I'm going to have to go with today is Debbie, Debbie Ferguson. Uh, You know, you could find her with a better classroom. I think her handle is Ocean Teacher D. Um, But she's been a tremendous learning partner of mine during these past few months. I mean, I have launched some initiatives and she has been, you know, my my brain partner throughout that. And in fact, she is launching her own. I I don't want to talk too much about it. You know, that is that is for her to do. But I've assisted her. And so it's been really this this collaborative working partnership. And it, it, it has been tremendous. You know, there's there are colleagues and connections you have right in these social spaces where you hook up during a chat and, you know, it's like, I'll see you again next week. But Debbie and I interact multiple times throughout the week. And it's just really nice to know that I have somebody that is on the East Coast, right? We, we, we don't, our personal circles do not connect in any way. But I know that I have this person that I can say, I have this thought, can you give me some feedback? And so definitely make sure that you're following Debbie. Like I said, she has this great program that's coming out. You definitely want to make sure that you're aware of it. At Ocean Teacher D. Charles, point us to an ed tech tool that you currently love using somewhere in your professional practice or one that you see being put to great use in the classrooms. And I know right now you're uh, remote, as you said. So uh, any of those contexts, is there a, a single tool that is really exciting you? Yeah, so, you know, my, my teachers have come up with all types of tools. And it's really weird. I've always prided myself on being that administrator who is, I'm still connected to the classroom, but I'm starting to feel it, right? Like, what what, what is this Flipgrid? What is this, you know, all these things. Um, So I I know that my learning curve still has to be there. But the one that I'm using a lot is is simple, right? It's YouTube. And, And the reason I found that has been super powerful is because I can record messages and blast those things out to my families. And they, they interact with those way more than my, my newsletters, way more than my, my text messages, probably because I, I'm way, way too wordy. Um, you know, my, my English side comes out, you know, my, my English uh, degree. Um, and I think I just get way too wordy. And so I can record myself and blast that out to my parents. You know, and, and in hindsight, I think about it, right? I, I could be driving as a parent and I could listen to the message that Principal Williams has for us. I, I could be, you know, in the kitchen, you know, doing whatever I need to do and I can listen to that message. And, and so parents have been way more responsive um, and, and I've seen, you know, the, the impacts there. So YouTube has been phenomenal. I think in context of remote learning, when we do have the physical detachment, that finding those special ways of connecting are so important. So keep that up. And that is something that I would like to do as well. Recommend a book, Charles. I know you're a reader, a writer, as you've said. Tell us about one that you've been reading lately or perhaps one of your all-time faves that's been deeply influential in your thinking. Yeah, so I am wrapping up right now. It is called Why We Can't Wait. Uh, it's by Dr. Martin Luther King. And it's it's interesting. You know, somebody had mentioned it um, and I just picked it up and I've been reading it. But he, he talks about, you know, it, it is uh, his perspective of during the civil rights movements. And it's really interesting because what what I guess simultaneously interesting and disturbing are these parallels. As I'm reading it and I'm thinking that could have been a news headline, you know, yesterday, you know, and, and so all of this 
social unrest, all of these issues around, you know, race and equity. And, and it's just like surprising to me that here I'm reading these things that happened in the 60s, right? So, you, you know, we're talking what, 50 years ago. And it's like, we're still here. It, it looks different, right? It feels a little different, but it's it's the same root issues. And I guess that's the part of when are we going to figure this thing out? When are we going to actually overcome, right? And, and it hit these things that we're, that we're striving towards. But it's been a fascinating read, just to, like I said, to see those parallels between then and now. Charles, I know you're a podcast listener. You're a creator of a couple of great podcasts. Tell us about one of your go-tos when you slap in the earbuds, when you're going for a walk or whenever it is that you're listening. What are some of the first podcasts that you check out? Sure. So, you know, uh, I have a ridiculous commute. Uh, it's about an hour and a half, um, two hours anyway. So it's, I, I live in Indiana, but I work in Chicago. Um, and so podcasts have definitely become my friends. And so to be, to be fair to all of my educator friends, I'm going to hop out of the educational arena on this one. Um, but I'm going to recommend Stuff You Should Know. It's by Chuck and Josh. Uh, and it is just filled with all kinds of interesting tidbits and information. They have their, their regular episodes, which are about an hour or so long. They have these short stuffs, which are only like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and, and it's just a lot of just, you know, things that you would never have thought about or things that you, you know, maybe have heard about, but they dive into it. And, and I, I'm known for my collection of useless facts and information. And so they kind of fuel that. And, and so I love it. You know, the other day I listened to one about the Habsburg jaw, right. And I was like Habsburg jaw. And it's, you know, if you ever watch like Family Guy or any of those cartoons where they kind of make fun of the very, very wealthy and they're like, like there's a name for that with that that jutting jaw. And I was like, oh, well, you know, if I'm ever on, you know, who wants to be a millionaire or whatever? And that's the question. I'm like, yes, now I've got it. <laughs> that is so good. And your your <laughs> imitation was on point, I have to say. Uh, Charles, <laughs> the, the last question here is just for fun. When you do have some moments to maybe stream some Netflix or or other streaming services, what are you tuning into right now? Yeah, so we, we've been binging um, a lot, my wife and I. You know, a lot of us have hit this point, right, where we're just like, what else? What else can I watch? Um, so you're just kind of scrolling through. But we started watching Community, uh, which is about a community college. And it is hilarious. Um, I wasn't sure going into it, but I, I'm really glad that she picked this one out. Um, you know, we always find humor, obviously, in education, right? We, we, we view it from a different perspective. But it is really interesting. Uh, so I would definitely recommend it, you know, if you just want a good laugh. Uh, yeah, community. That's a good classic. Charles, for those interested in your message, uh, for those interested in changing the narrative, how can they reach out and follow you? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, you mentioned earlier, um, and so I'll say it again, if you look up CW Consulting, um, you should be able to find me almost anywhere, whether it's Twitter, whether it's on Instagram, um, Voxer, which is something recently I've gotten into. Uh, you know, I have the YouTube channel, but as you mentioned, I also have a few other projects. So on Twitter, there's also the CN podcast. That's the counter narrative podcast. So I drop episodes every Friday morning, uh, but you can follow me there. Um, and then of course, there's my website, which is CW Consulting Service. CW Consulting was already taken. So CW Consulting Service.com. 
Um, so you can see all of the different things that I offer. And if you're ever interested in potentially working with me, you know, that would be a great place to start. Sounds good, Charles. Again, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with the podcast today. This has been fun and encouraging to me, and I hope to you as well. Take care and have an amazing school year, Charles. Let's talk again soon. Tim, I appreciate it. And you have an amazing school year in, in your first time as being an AP. If there's anything you need anytime, feel free to reach out. My name is Tim Cavey, and I'm proud to contribute to the education conversation through the Teachers on Fire podcast. If you enjoyed this one-on-one -on -one interview, make sure to subscribe to the Teachers on Fire channel on YouTube, where you can interact live with me and my guests every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Central, and 11 a.m. Eastern. And if you haven't yet, make sure to connect with me at Teachers on Fire on all the social media platforms to catch more from me and hear from amazing educators who are bringing growth and transformation to K-12 education today. When you listen to this content and let me know how it sparked your thinking or ignited your practice, you pour fuel on my fire and encourage me to continue this important work of amplifying voices and sharing ideas. Thanks again for listening today. In these challenging times, take care, share an encouraging message to lift up a colleague, and keep that fire for learning burning bright.